that when Bond comes out, that's it. Like that's all that everyone's going to be showing, and it's going to make so much fucking money. Like, oh yeah, it's, like it's al- apparently it's already outdone uh, Endgame in terms of pre-sales. Really? Yeah. Well, just, I mean, to be fair, it's it's like one of those sort of, you know, well, yeah, presumably it would, because everyone's desperate. Yeah, but not only that, I think what's interesting about it is that it's, I was, because I was literally talking to my mum about it earlier, it's like, it's a multi-generational thing. It's like, my mum's planning to go and see it and wants to come and see it with us. My dad's going to see it with his missus. And these are people who have probably haven't been to the cinema in two years. Yeah. But for Bond, they'll come out for it. Do you know what I mean? It's not the yeah. same as like a Marvel film you and I will go to, but Bond movies, like everyone in the UK goes to a Bond movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, no. Yeah, it's another level, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a whole thing. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom, it's one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello there. In this episode, we're talking about the Daniel Craig James Bond series. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall and Spectre before the release of No Time to Die. So, this is it. It's finally happening, Tom. It's finally coming out. It's fine. It's coming. It's happening. It's actually going to happen. It's, it's, been, it's been delayed so many times. We've made jokes about it. We've seen that trailer a million times. Um, we got cross with it. It's to say, it's the, it's the free guy phenomena. Yeah. It's we got really a, cross with it because it's just come out already. Yeah. But now, finally, it seems as though, unless there's some sort of massive disaster, that is at, oh, no, don't. No time to die is many days away. And so... Inevitably, it's time for a grand rewatch. Obviously, in our last episode, we talked about the Pierce Brosnan movies, which I think was a really good exercise. And it's it's really interesting having watched them and then going into this series as a contrast. Yeah. Uh, and we'll definitely get into some of that. But for this episode, we are talking about the Daniel Craig, James Bond series. We are strictly craiging the fuck out of yes, James Bond. Absolutely. So, I mean, where to begin? I think we were, basically it's beginning at the beginning. So Casino yeah. Royale... Um, and but even before the film came out, it was really the, the main thing to talk about is how did we feel when the, it was announced that Daniel Craig was going to be the new James Bond? Um, because uh... It was a massive deal, and it would like, and there's a lot been written about it, and particularly at the moment, there's lots of like retrospective things talking about his tenure as Bond um, and going back yeah. to saying like how the backlash that he got, and it was intense in by all accounts. Like there was lots of people who were not happy about it. And campaigns against him, and pe- and the press sort of turned on him. Um, but when you first heard that, when they announced that, what? How did how did you feel about it? Uh, at first, I was one of those people that I was like, "He's going to be blonde, really?" Yeah, because I'd grown up with, like, you know, I'd grown up with James Bond being like this dark-haired guy, and it was, you know, before uh people were a lot were a lot more sort of like socially conscious you know there was a lot there was a lot, far fewer like sort of commentary things going around about it and it was just one of those things and i was like well he's always kind of just you know in my head he was always like a dark-haired guy and i was like okay i mean i've not seen him in anything and then uh layer cake my yeah. brother pointed out layer cake to me and i was like oh, okay yeah. Like I didn't really see it at first, but then I was like, you know, I didn't really know who anyone else was at first. And yeah, I wasn't like, I don't know. I wasn't, it's not, I wasn't outraged or anything. I was just a bit like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
that's it really i was a bit uh, like almost non-plus to be honest like, it, it just wasn't a massive factor for me at the time yeah but um but yeah and then kind of it came out and i was like oh shit oh fuck okay this is yeah <laughs> like i at first like as you'll probably be testament to like some of dom and i's first conversations were about me not actually being a huge fan of daniel craig at first because it just felt very similar to james uh jason porn yeah yeah and that kind of sort of lingered with me for a while but uh i sort of well did soften to it massively as it went through and then quantum and solace came along and i was really disappointed by it and then skyfall came along and i was a bit disappointed by it but then and then we get to specter and i was a little bit like okay um but uh, what I wanted to sort of specifically say, say about my feelings of it is that we've gone, I've gone from being someone that was a bit like, oh, okay, not really feeling all of this. Mm. But then since we've sort of done the grand rewatch, yeah, I really fucking like these films. Yeah, man yeah <laughs> i mean so you, there are like there's yeah there's you know i'm not going to say they're perfect no by no you know perfect, quantum right. of solace it's particular yeah um but yeah there's a lot uh also with a couple of them there were some fairly uh mitigating external factors that led me to not be a very happy man at the time so i may have taken it out on cinema but right. um <laughs> uh, but yeah it's um all in all, I really like these films and was a bit just shocked at first, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, because, yeah, I think that's the other thing that's interesting as well about it is that because, again, going back to all this sort of retrospective, you start thinking about, you know, what you were up to, you know, when Casino Royale came out, what was it to you? So I'd like to admit, I'm realising now how long Daniel Craig has been playing this part. When Casino yeah. Royale came out, I was 15. <laughs> and I'm now 30 years old. And to think, oh, like, man. in that time period of my life, Daniel Craig has been James Bond. Do you know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. That is mad to think about, like, the, the fact that he's... Because he he's the long... He's going to have the longest tenure of any Bond, Bond um, actor, yeah. despite the fact that he hasn't made as many films. I think Roger Moore made more films, but they were, like, churning them out every two years. There have been a lot of gaps in between the Daniel Craig movies, which have been, the kind of been to their detriment. But we'll talk about that when we talk about the series as a whole. Um, yeah. But for me, Casino Royale, it came out, yeah, when I was 15 years old, I was massively into Bond. I was starting to sort of develop my taste in terms of films and sort of starting to have that, you know, growing up in terms of my taste and realising things like, hey, the, the Star Wars prequels are pretty crap. It's, <laughs> not, it's not just good just because it's got Star Wars written on it. And like, Die Another Day is pretty shit just because it's a James Bond movie and like, you know, and starting to really start appreciating yeah. things properly. And like, yeah, so 15, I must have been starting to do like film studies and stuff at like sixth form or no, not quite yet. But you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, yeah. And really starting to delve into like what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then, oh, yeah, the, the idea of a it was the exciting idea of a new actor being cast in a role. Because it was around that sort of time, like mid 2000s, when lots of things were coming back. It was like Doctor Who came back and that was like new casting. And then they replaced it with David Tennant. And then. Uh, yeah, you know, the year before Casino Royale, we had uh, Batman Begins, which is this whole new, you know, gritty reboot with a new actor, and it's all this the the, the idea of things being refreshed and renewed yeah. with the, with a new actor, and it was exciting. 
Um, and then, yeah, you saw the trailer for Casino Royale and it looked amazing um, and completely different from what had come before. Um, it was going back to the original Ian Fleming books, which I had read at the time, or was in the middle of reading, which was exciting as a fan, um, especially given the way Dying of a Day ended up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and then on top of that, I then what I remember watching Layer Cake as a thing to see, oh, who is this guy? And I remember watching Layer Cake and thinking to myself, yeah, I can see it. I totally get it. Because he's like, he's charismatic and cool in that film. Um, yeah. And you totally get, like there's moments, there's the moment in Layer Cake, which I really, well, I think really sold it when he just starts posing with the gun, and it's done as a like tongue in cheek moment, and like he's taking, and the guy, I think it's Colm, whatever, I can't remember the guy's surname. Oh, uh, meaning. Yeah, he's there, and he's like, oh for Christ's sake, as he's like posing around the corner with this Luger, <laughs> like almost doing a little James Bond thing. But then you look at yeah. him and you go, yeah, I totally get it, I totally get it. Yeah, makes perfect sense, and it's like, yeah. Um, and then fuck, I mean, Casino Royale came out and absolutely blew me away and it is still to this day one of my top five favorite movies ever really i love it man i seriously i fucking love casino royale so much <laughs> like i, I yeah yeah i think it's probably one of my favorite bond films yeah um if not my favorite yeah that's the thing it's as a massive Bond fan, and we kind of talked about my, my fandom of Bond last week, um, but as being a fan of that franchise to begin with, and then this being probably one of my my favourite, if not one of my favourite, yeah. if not my favourite of that series, that therefore sort of makes it one of my top of all time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I just remember just being so excited by it. I remember seeing it with my dad. I remember watching it again. I remember we went to uh, a holiday to Canada and you could rent it and pay-per-view in the, in the hotel. And so we watched it, <laughs> so we watched it again. Um, <laughs> and like I was just so excited by it and he was just he was so cool and the story was really like awesome and the acting and the action and everything about it was just everything you wanted it to be and I just yeah I was blown away by it um, and from that point on it's, I've been very like fiercely defensive of, of Daniel Craig and his tenure um, yeah not to say that like I say it not everything that's come out has been perfect by no means there's been there's so many problems with these movies but he has always consistently been great um, and from the get-go, and I just love the it's the the, um, the sort of underdog element to it as well. Um, you can't help but love the fact that everyone wrote him off and everyone was taking the piss out of him, and like he just like, it's the same kind of thing that kind of happened with Matt Smith a little bit. Everyone was like, yeah. well, you can't possibly follow up David Tennant. What the fuck? And then he turned up and just absolutely smashed it. And like Daniel Craig, <laughs> Daniel Craig, just like he got himself into ridiculous, like the best shape that any Bond has ever been in. Yeah, and just in the space of like ten minutes at the beginning of the movie, he was like, oh fuck, right, yeah, <laughs> this guy's it this guy's got it like and that's the thing because it's he went from being uh he went from being like this suave casual spy guy to being somebody that's a you know like the the main thing for me with craig is that he's someone that's that you think is going to kill all these people in the room yeah this is that's the main thing that he brings into it that the others don't and i think the closest they ever came to it was connery but it's the physicality. He brings that the physicality to the role. And even in the later movies, he's still doing that. Is this idea that Bond is like this unstoppable force. When he's, come, yeah. when he's, when he's coming after you, you're fucked. But then to, that's not yeah. a million miles away. Like, because they, they had that kind of idea was still in things like Goldeneye, like with the tank sequence in Goldeneye. Yeah. It's the same idea. It's just instead he's using a, he's using a vehicle to do it. Whereas with the Daniel Gray movies, more often than not, they, it's his, he's physically chasing someone down. Whether that's yeah. the you know the parkour sequence in um, 
at the beginning of Casino Royale or the chase through London in Skyfall, it's him physically doing it. It's not a car chase. It's because he can fucking do it. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, like, one of the things I love about it. Like, uh, you know, I've made no secret, like, last week, saying about some of, my, some of the love that I've got for, uh, um, like, Brosnan with the way that he's just, it's just an assassin, really. Yeah. But, like, he or, yeah, Brosnan sort of got this sort of assassin vibe to him. See, that's, that's funny that you say that. He's got I, this coldness. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I feel like that's, like, one of the first things they really probably did at the beginning of this movie is that he, like, that opening sequence in black and white. Yeah. Properly establishing Bond as an assassin, and that is what he's, he's yeah. sent to kill a man. And they really like they hammer that home really well with the there's the you know the double the intercut sequence of him drowning the guy in the bathroom, yeah, yeah. Um, and then just killing the guy in his in his office. But I love the the idea of that this guy sat sat in the shadows waiting for you with the gun is like that's a cool like I can't quite imagine Brosnan doing that one of his pre-title sequences. Do you know what I mean? Like we had those flashes of darkness from Brosnan in the late, later on in the movie, but it's kind of like as a way of introducing someone. It's kind it's quite bold. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, even... it's a whole different sort of stylistically and characteristically. Oh, yeah. It brings like a whole different level to it, doesn't it? Really, but even like like the way that's shot, that opening sequence in black and white, where you have these like low angles, and it's like it's shot like a Tarantino, or not Tarantino, like a Hitchcock movie, and you're seeing all these yeah. like long corridors, and you, and it was like, oh fuck, this is like really like arty almost. It's like shit. It's not just the Everything I think everything about Casino Royale is exciting creatively. That's the thing. It was everyone was excited. The director Martin Campbell was excited. The writers were excited to be doing it, and the, and the cast and everybody was just like it was reinvigorating for everyone creatively. And that comes yeah. across in every way. Every single scene is like done like that, and it's just like, like yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> they just don't, they don't make you like warm or like Bond necessarily. The first well, the first thing you see him do is kill this guy. This old this old guy yeah. on the other side of that who just kills him in cold blood, and they have that. There's a, like a particular scene, don't they? Like, there's the uh, the one thing that I noticed, and I don't know if that's me being a bit of a psychopath, but it's is it like this, is it the, the family photo? Yeah, there's literally I was about to say yeah. So they have this little like yeah cutaway of the you see the family photo of of the guy with his like wife and daughter or whatever. And it's literally like a blink and you'll miss it, but they make a point of putting that in. Because it's like, yeah, yeah that's, like that's it a... faces the camera, and you're like, okay, and that's that's the thing that they really nail. I think particularly in Casino Royale, and it kind of gets lost a little bit later on, but like they really make you feel death. Like when people die in Maz, they're not yeah. just like people. Like they, they really make a point of saying that, like, well, then there's a body that you got to deal with, and then this person had a family, this person was connected to other people, and it makes an impact on the real world, and it's like completely different to things like in the Brosnan movies like when he knocks that guy off um, in uh, Tomorrow Ever Dies and so they'll print anything these days yeah do you know what I mean that's like it's casual like death for no reason whereas Casino Royale was like immediately establishing that no death has consequences and even just the, yeah. the interview in that the, the next sequence we get is the big um, parkour chase sequence and at the end of that uh, he kills the guy and again there are consequences to him killing the guy because then he gets told yeah. off. You weren't you weren't supposed to kill the guy. You fucking idiot. You got caught on camera like killing the guy. You don't just go around and shoot people. And it's like suddenly it makes everything really real. Yeah, and that's that's the difference for me was like between the Brosnan era and the Craig stuff was that Brosnan was a very different kind of spy. Yeah, 
like he was the kind of guy that you like he's callous he's cold he's it's like we were saying like he's the sociopathic kind of killer mm. like he knows how to manipulate people and control people and he's a bit nasty and you just kind of you're you're not afraid of him until you see him do something you're like oh jesus like yeah I think like, oh, they'll, they'll print anything these days and you're like yeah. you're just saying that to yourself you fucking psycho <laughs> exactly like yeah. you're exactly. enjoying this yeah it's crazy and it's just like that's what i like with the yeah particularly with the casino royale i think that because they start um, yeah bond off in that place he is very cold he is very fucking harsh and he softens as the movie goes on with the introduction of vesper and like the again he gets confronted with the consequences of his actions and sees it from an outsider's point of view when he meets this woman who's his equal and then he softens to a point where he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore and then it all turns on him again and then like, as the movies then go on yeah. he becomes that that hard cold man that we're more used to seeing in the in the you know the other iterations of the character but the fact that they even have a character arc like that for a bond in a bond movie yeah it's just that's... like unheard of it just doesn't happen <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's an absolute fucking game changer because it adds so much more dimensionality to the character. Yeah, and I think I think the th- the best thing they did, and I I because I reread it again last week because it's only short, um, is they kind of stuck very very broadly to the main story of Casino Royale because yeah. you know there are obviously massive changes to it and loads of extra stuff they added in like the whole sort of nine eleven allegory about blowing up the jet and then taking it on people's. Um, betting on the stock market the wrong way and all that kind of stuff which is really like relevant and like part of the reason why they rebooted is because bond was no longer relevant in a post 9-11 world and yeah. they didn't shy away from that um but i just love the fact that like he yeah they they go back to fleming and it means that you know in the in the book he has that he goes through the whole there's lots of things that are like lifted directly from the book like the the car chase and then the torture scene with the chief happens exactly like yeah. that in the book and exactly like that in the book afterwards he's like i don't think i want to do this anymore i can't yeah. tell the heroes from the villains anymore i want to quit and he just he does decide to quit and he does decide that he's going to ask vesper to marry him which is like you know the the 60s equivalent of what him running yeah. away like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and so i'm sad yeah. i'm going my darling i'm going to marry you um yeah oh, what if i don't want to marry you or well, tough shit um yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of hanging up his gun, isn't it? Like, yeah, but like he does, and that's in the first book. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and he has this whole speech with Mathis where he talks about when you're young, you understand who the good, the good guys and the bad guys are. But after once you get older, it all gets mixed up. And he's talking yeah. about he doesn't understand like the sheaf is like well from his point of view, and he like completely completely changes his point of view, and you get this sense that he is this guy who has had this past, and he's got this last little shred of humanity left in him that he's thinking about. And he's thinking, if I don't do it now, that ne- it's never going to. And that's exactly the story they tell in Casino Royale. And he even says it, doesn't he? He's like, if you do what I do for too long, there won't be enough salt left to salvage. So I'm going to leave with what little I've got left. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. God damn it. Oh, God, I love Casino Royale so much. It is fucking <laughs> good. It's easily the best yeah i mean the action sequences are amazing and again just so a million miles away from what's come before like they're like they're brutal and they're like awkward at times like i love like there's a couple of fight sequences like the one in at the airport miami airport where he's they're both fighting each other whilst driving a truck and it's like it's awkward they're like trying to punch across from each other but they're sat facing the same direction it's a bit weird like it doesn't doesn't quite (laughs) work 
but that's how it would work. It's like in the, in the Brosnan movie, he would have run up to that bloke in the truck, punched him, and he would have been unconscious, and that would be the end of it. Yeah, he would have karate chopped him on the neck. Yeah, and also just like the idea that that it takes a lot to knock a bloke out. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. really go I, into it again, like the the. It's the, actually quite hard. Yeah. To knock somebody out, like yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and not only that, like you're gonna get hurt as well doing it, and that's what another thing they do to sort of bring that element of realism to it is that he gets you know he gets beaten up and and like blood on his shirt and blood on every on, on his face and then that carries into the next scene yeah that's not just like glossed over like that that Miami airport scene is a prime example of it he gets beaten the shit out of and then he got the next scene is when he's getting his his briefing from M back in yeah. Jamaica, in uh Bahamas and he but he's still covered in cuts and bruises and shit because he's just come from having a big fight it's like, again, it shows you that there is like he's not just perfectly like quiffed and like his tie is perfect and all that. It's like no, no, no. He's like he has consequences. <laughs> Black-eyed Bond. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just, and I love it. And like, I think the thing that bugs me about it a little bit is when people go on about how Craig he's not smooth and he's not like suave and sophisticated. I'm just like, uh, I disagree. But yeah. like, I, exactly, like. Do you not? You don't. Do you not understand that forty-five minutes worth of Casino Royale is just him playing poker? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In a tux, staring someone down, being smooth as fuck. Like, I don't know what more you want. Like, um, and that's the kind of the one of the things that does drag Casino Royale down a little bit in terms of repeat viewings. I think is that that poker stuff. Yeah, I agree. Much. Yeah. As, I'm... Yeah. Much as it is cool, and I remember the first time you watched it, it is like really tense. And like, because it's really well acted between, you know, you've got Daniel Craig and Mads Mikkelsen, who we have to talk about as well. I mean, the the caliber of the villains in these movies yes. is just another level. Um, but they're all doing a really good job. But once you've seen what's going to happen, that tension isn't there anymore. So I think with repeat viewings that you do kind of just sort of roll, you go, yeah, okay, yeah, get on with it. Like, it's like, yeah, it doesn't quite have the same impact. Um, but that's not to say it's not very well made. Um, oh and, no, not at all! Like and, it's 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 still an incredible film. Yeah, and cutting away to Mathis every five minutes, explaining who has what cards and, and what. <laughs> Basil, yeah. position in the corner. Can we talk about Mathis for a second? Yes, let's. So, I always forget about Mathis every time I watch Casino Royale, and then I'm like, oh, it's that guy! Oh my god, he's actually a really important character. Yeah. Is he 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 he, he a book book guy? <laughs> is he a book guy? Um, is he a book guy? He's in Casino Royale. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's just one a one and done character. He is only in Casino Royale, right? Um, but yes, he is in the book. Um, and he like say that it's that that po- he's like Bond's man in in Royale sort of thing, which is the part he plays in this really. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, he just has that. The main thing is that he's someone there for Bond to talk to when he has that um, that sort of when he comes to in the hospital after the torture scene, he has this yeah. whole big long conversation with Mathis about whether he wants to do this or not anymore. And Mathis is sort of very derisive and say, "Yeah, whatever. There are there are loads of the sheets out there in the world, and I know that you are not going to be able to rest knowing they're out there." Sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, but obviously, with this, it's a different, very much a different um, interpretation of Mathis. Um, and they add some extra layers to it, but again, I think they did a really good job of just of enhancing the book. Yeah, um, because they have this whole and we're, we'll be spoiling it, but this is a fifteen-year-old film now. You know, um, yeah, no, no, we're going full spoilers on all of these. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, so yeah, Bond suspects Mathis and then has him dragged off. And I think what they do a really good job of is, is in like translating that from the book because the idea in the book is that Vesper is like a double agent and has been the whole time working yeah. for the Russians because obviously in the, in the when the book was written it was always about the Russians and the and the Cold War. Um, yeah, and that's revealed right at the very end in in her suicide note as she overdoses and kills herself. Um, but the idea is that no no one ever no one suspects her in the slightest because she's a woman because it's 1950s right. and because she's like she's just a se- she's a secretary for the for MI6 she doesn't work for the treasury in the book she is a secretary for section S which is uh, head of you know so there's you know M works for um MI6 but S is another guy and she's his personal secretary right and they send her along to to help bond out i can't remember yeah for to yeah because it'll look better if he's got to be a woman. Yeah, to, it'll look better if he's got. It'll be less suspicious if there's a pretty girl on his arm. That's it. I think literally <laughs> yeah. that's all it is. And no one for one second suspects. Like he, like Bond suspects all the different people in the room. Like he doesn't really come as far as Mathis, but he starts thinking about. Oh, they, they're a lot better equipped than I thought they were going to be. And just these little like niggles, but he doesn't really think about it. And the idea is that he's kind of he's blinded by his feelings. For, well, in the book, he's he just doesn't consider it flat out because she's a woman. And that's it. There's nothing that all of them right. could not possibly have done this. In the film, they kind of make it that is the idea that Bond is kind of blinded by his feelings towards her. So he'd never because when you rewatch it, you can see all those little things. Like when he tells her, Oh, it was Mathis who sold me out, you can see the look in her face. And it's like Eva right. Green is so fucking good in this movie as well. She's fucking well, she's brilliant in everything, but particularly Oh my god, she's like definitive. And the, the chemistry between her and Daniel Craig. Is brilliant. Yeah. I love that whole scene where they sort of tear each other apart the first time they meet each other. Yeah. Um, and just like, and it sort of shows that's that's Bond's superpower in a way, as and what makes him a great spy is that he can take one look at someone and just tell you everything about them in sort yeah. of almost Sherlock-like way. Um, but like not to a ridiculous extent. Like he can't tell you what you had for lunch, but he can tell you where you like he can tell you whether you're an orphan or not. Like things like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like he's not perfect at it either like no. no he can be foiled well i think that's the thing it's like he, most of the time he can't but vesper does foil him it's like everyone has yeah. a tell apart from you that's why i love you and it's like like it's so well written i love all that stuff it's so it's so well layered in um i mean i say it's so well written there is a couple of moments in the dialogue between the two of them where it's really fucking odd <laughs> and there's one there's one bit in particular where they have this bit where like she warms to him or whatever after he's recovering and she says something like if all that was left of you was your smile and your little finger you'd be more of a man than everyone i ever met and like who the fuck wrote that oh that's what, what a weird thing to say that's what, a horrible thing to say what, what weird what yeah i just i don't understand it it, it doesn't seem like something that character would, would ever say it doesn't seem like anyone human would ever say it just seems so odd <laughs> like it's yeah it's weird like they, i think they, there are a couple of head scratching uh lines in casino royale for sure oh um, god yeah <laughs> um uh, what are we thinking of well yeah i mean casino royale is obviously yeah i mean the thing with casino, it's got the best the, villain yeah Oh yeah, I mean, uh, Mads right, Mikkelsen. Well, uh, well, Silver's good. Silver's pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a toss-up between those two. But Mads Mikkelsen is brilliant, um, and he does. He's like he's a classic Bond villain in a lot of ways because he does. He has like 
the uh, for the physical uh, the, the deformity, yeah, that a lot of Bond villains had, and the whole you know, uh, but like, yeah, I love the fact that he's just he's never sort of posed as a physical match for Bond. Is the idea that he's like he's always on that um, a, um, asthma inhaler and things like that. Yeah. You think that oh, this guy's just going to tear him apart, and sure enough, when they do come to physical um, confrontation, it's the torture scene, which is like an iconic like sticks in your head and yeah. again fuck me i can't believe i can't get over the fact that this is only four years after the die another day yeah that's it's crazy isn't it when you think, think about the torture scene like set to Muslim yeah at the beginning of die another day and then compare it to this it's like it's crazy that it's only four years um, it just blows my mind that like it's such a short period of time, but I know it's bad. And like, I mean, the other thing, I mean, yeah, again, not to take you back to the Daniel Craig thing again, but like you think about when he started playing James Bond, Toby Maguire was still Spider Man. <laughs> That's how long okay. this has been going on for. Like he like, and the the MCU hadn't even started yet. Yeah. That's how long he's been playing this character for. It's fucking crazy, and that's why I feel like whoever comes next is going to have such a hard time because he's had so much, so much ownership of it. Um, but anyway, then we get into the difficult second album. Uh, I think Casino Royale has been taught to death. Like everyone's, the, 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 I don't think there's much we can add to the conversation about Casino Royale, really. Um, in all fairness, no. Um, but then, yeah, we get to the difficult second album that was Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. 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 Oh dear. Okay. Quantum of Solace. <sighs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so, can yeah. you? Right. I read a thing, and I don't know if it's true. Is Quantum yeah. of Solace a book? So, Quantum of Solace is based on a short story. There's a short right. story, but basically all it is is Bond's at a particularly boring dinner party, and he goes off to one side and has a conversation with a bloke. And the bloke tells him the story about a couple and how he has this theory of the quantum of solace, which is the minimum amount of comfort that is needed in a relationship to keep you from hurting the other person. And he tells him this whole theory he's got on it based on a, uh, um, a relationship that he was aware of. That's it. So right. in no other way does it bear any relation to that story. It's obviously completely um, original. And <laughs> there are some things in it that are commendable. I mean, first of all, the the decision to make it a direct sequel to Casino Royale was something that was interesting. Yeah, that's because um, that's unique, isn't it? That's never happened before. They've never tapped into the idea of doing continuity. Really, I mean, there's been little hints at it, and like they they call back sometimes to other movies and talk about oh, Bond was married once and stuff like that, but they never really have any proper continuity. Um, right. and this is like. No, it takes place 10 minutes after the end of Casino Royale. It's like, um, but that's what makes me, I, I feel like the um, the car chase sequence at the beginning of it is like a perfect microcosm for the whole movie. Yeah. Because you can't tell what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it's completely chaotic. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's quite, at times it's quite nice to look at um, because there's some cool cars doing some cool things. And at the end of it, the only reason it works at all is because it's got a little bit of connection to the previous movie because Mr. White's in the trunk. Yeah. I think that sums up Quantum of Solace quite nicely, actually. Yeah, it kind of does. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's all over the place. It's just, and I feel like 
basically the story behind how it ended up like this is that they, first of all, I think Bond movies and Bond, uh, the production, they tend to like, when they, when they get a hit, they're like anxious to get another one out. Yeah. Because these movies take so long to make and there are lots of gestation periods and all the rest of it. When something works, they're like, shit, make another one, make another one quick. So yeah. Like, the same thing happened with um, Brosnan and Tomorrow Never Dies. So that you know, Goldeneye worked, and, Bro- and everyone accepted Brosnan, and everyone and we were off to the races. And they were like, "Shit, right, quick, make another one, make another one. It's got to be out in two years." And they just like rushed it into production without a f- fully finished script, and that was the reason why Anthony Hopkins walked off the production because it was too chaotic; he couldn't deal with it. Yeah, and the same a similar thing happened with Quantum. The difference being that also happened around the same time as the writers' strike. Yeah, because <sighs> yeah, so yeah. Good old. Right, yeah, so the writer's strike happened around yeah around this sort of time, 2006, 2007, around the time the movie would have been being made. Um, and it basically meant that the writers for the movies just he turned in like a second draft of the script like within minutes of the deadline for this strike happening. And then mm. that was it. And they couldn't work anymore. And then recently, they've been talking about it recently, again, going back through everything, because they the other thing that was happening is there was a, the Screen Actors Guild of America were also going to have a strike. And that was like, okay. That was impending. That was coming up, and so they were like, "Right, we can't wait for the script to be finished because if we wait for the writers to come back and finish the script, then we won't have any actors because all the actors will be on strike. Right. So we've yeah. got to just do it now. So they just went on, cracked on with it, even though they barely had a script. And it was like, you can tell by watching the movie, they just cut from like action scene to action scene, and it's just it's fucking it gives you whiplash. <laughs> it does, yeah. That, well, that's that's my main problem with it is that. The talking parts of it are good. Yeah, they're not bad. Some of it's there. Some of it's all right. I think like, the, the best yeah. scenes in the whole movie are the ones with Mathis. Yeah. By far. Well, he gets fairly summarily he does. binned he, off. He does, but then... Um, and then he just gets... <laughs> they just shove him in a bin. He gets quite literally binned off, yeah. Um, but he... Yeah, I think, like, again, and that's, again, my thing about it being a microcosm is that the, the best parts of the movie are the ones that relate to Casino Royale, basically, like yeah. the the scene on the plane with Mathis and Bond, Bond can't sleep, and all that yeah. that little conversation. That's one of the strongest scenes of the whole movie, but only because it's off the back of Casino Royale. Like I think Quantum Science only it barely works, but the only reason it even slightly works is if you watch it as like an epilogue to Casino Royale. Yeah. Otherwise, it just it's just nonsensical. It's just it's all over the place. And interestingly. And it's the series of escalating action sequences that don't that are just sort of strung together, hamstrung together by yeah various conversations. You're like, okay, I'm interested to see where this is. Oh no, there's another there's yeah. another chase because I as think- I was saying to you and my girlfriend, it starts off with a, a car chase, and then there's a foot chase, a motorbike chase, a bike chase, a car chase, and then a plane chase. And it's, and it's because they don't they clearly didn't have the writers to develop their ideas properly because even like the the ideas they sort of touch upon a little bit in quantum Solace in terms of like the villains plot and stuff are quite interesting like the idea that there's you know this shadow government and it includes people from our own government and the, you know they're not all with it and they've got this whole idea of like the CIA are dealing with them and both so is the British government and it's like it's it's quite you know am, ambiguous in terms of who the villains and bad guys are, and then it's got this whole, um, you know, resource 
um, allocation and and management thing, like the whole the the holding the water hostage, which is something that really happened. Like that yeah. kind of shit happens like that, and not only that, like. Well, not only that, but you got to remember, like the head—I think it's like the head of Nestle or the, yeah. whoever, whoever's in charge of Nestle—was like, "Water isn't a human right." Yeah, shit. Like you know, like, this is this is an American guy, not yeah. like some dictator or that's in a film. It's just—it's a businessman that exists now. Yeah, and then they, they even touch upon this whole idea of like the greenwashing, which is the whole thing that that businesses are doing now, where he he acts like this sort of environmental. Um, crusader when in actual fact he's the company that is his company who owned the logging rights so they cause yeah. they cause the, a natural disaster and then act like a bleeding heart green liberal when they're trying to clean it all up it's like that's quite mm. interesting but they literally give it one line and then don't talk about it and it's just, so it's like clearly you have a few good ideas in here but they haven't been developed properly because you didn't have a writer on hand to do it um, mm. or it's something that would have happened in the next draft or with a couple of drafts time in, this, in the second draft of the script you've just got really the bare yeah. bones of what you're trying to do um, and all the second unit stuff all the action stuff so we have to just like get to that as quickly as we can um, and just like and when those, those action scenes do happen they're really frustrating because they're so edited so horribly yeah oh, oh god this is the so, of course, can I can I and this isn't me being facetious but was the 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 that was the editing affected by the strike? No, I think yeah. my there's a theory because there's a lot of theories and stuff going around, and there's a lot of like it's interesting because what often happens with stuff like this around this sort of time now is that there's a lot of like video essays and things that are very apologetic about it and are saying it's, it's a it's a hidden gem and there's a masterpiece and all this, which I think is crazy. Um, but the one thing that I do think that has got a bit of merit is the idea that the part of the reason why they're edited like that, the action scenes, is because it's actually it's quite violent. And you do see yeah. some pretty violent shit happen. So, like a good example of it is like the, the scene with Mathis, where he like takes down the two cops. Like he literally just shoots a cop in the face on the floor. But the way it's cut, like you barely see it. You just see like him, like the guy kicking the um, his bike over, and then that's it, and it's over. And Bond's throwing the gun away. Yeah. So I feel like they deliberately edited that so that it would like keep it under under an R rating. I think similar things could be said to have happened in other sequences, like the, again the, the the shootout sequence that he has at the opera. There's some pretty right. full on, like this bit where he just he's waiting around the corner with a gun ready, and the guy comes around the corner and he just shoots him in the face. It's like oh, fuck, like it's the <laughs> most violent we've ever seen Bond, but because it's literally blinking, you'll miss it. Like it must be like fra- like five frames of film before it cuts to something else. They get away with keeping it as a twelve A. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I feel like there probably is a little bit of merit in that. Um, there is, I, but it's, it's quite sloppily edited. Oh, it's not, not to, all though, yeah. like, and it tries to do weird, like, yeah, um, arty things. Like, the director is a guy called Mark Forster, who's best known for things like Finding Neverland and stuff like that. And he sort of came out at the time and said, like, I think they found the wrong director. And I'm like, I think you're right, mate. <laughs> I think, I think maybe they should have just kept Martin Campbell on. I think I don't understand yeah. why they, why do you like Martin Campbell clearly makes very good Bond movies, so why don't you just let him make more than just one and then kick him off? He, yeah. Like when, when you need to introduce a new Bond, you call him up. Get he does a great job of it, and then you bin him off. I don't understand. <laughs> so is um, forgive my ignorance, but is this uh, are each of these directed by a different person? But was Sam Mendes did two? No, Sam Mendes did. Yeah, he did Skyfall and he did Spectre. Yeah. Right. Um, again, detrimentally, I feel. I feel like he probably shouldn't have done Spectre. Um, his heart wasn't in it. Um, so clearly, um, 
but yeah, no. So generally speaking, they swap out directors. I mean, back in the old days, it was literally like there were three guys who directed twenty movies or something crazy. Um, really? Yeah, they're all just the old boys who like some blokes you never heard of, um, oh, okay. like Trevor Trevor Englishman or or whatever. They're all just the most English <laughs> blokes you ever heard of, um, and they directed like seven back to back or something crazy. Oh, um, Jesus. Yeah. But now, like in the, in modern days, yeah, it's always like. But again, you couldn't you couldn't name apart from Martin Campbell having directed Goldeneye. I couldn't name any of the directors of the Brosnan movies. No. They're just guns for hire, generally speaking. And that's another thing they've kind of moved on with now is that they they know it's important. I think they know that because of the way the industry is now, and the way that people speculate over things, and not and the internet culture and all the rest of it, hiring yeah. the right director is important. Yeah. And so they take their time with it, like you know. I mean, yeah, it's a good, good um, segue into uh, Skyfall. Really, is that they had that long gap again between movies. There was a gap. There was a four-year gap between Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. Um, and there was a lot. There was speculation running around then that Daniel Craig wouldn't potentially return um, because it was the longest gap there'd been where they then kept the same Bond. Right. Um, so people were starting to speculate about whether it will come back or not. And then there was this whole thing that Daniel convinced Sam Mendes to come and do it because they worked together previously on Road to Petition. Yes. Which is a great film, by the way. We, we should try and yes, get that one is. day because Road to Petition is an absolute banger. And it's yes. got an amazing cast and it's brilliantly directed by Sam Mendes. And yeah, that's a great film. Um, and that's another one of those ones where, I, like, back in the day, I remember Daniel Craig when they say Daniel Craig's, like, oh, the guy from Right. Shit. Yeah. But in that, he's yeah. creepy as fuck. But he plays. Um, He's awful in that, yeah. But he plays Paul Newman's son, and it's perfect casting. They they are yeah. so perfect as father and son. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, Daniel Craig convinced Sam Mendes to come and do it, and Sam Mendes, being you know a, a British director, understand get really gets Bond and and then threw himself into it, um, and then we ended up with Skyfall in 2012. Um, and fuck, Skyfall's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've made no apologies before for not really enjoying Skyfall the first time I saw it. Like, I don't know, like, I found it, it's really weird. Like, I found it a bit eye-rolly and, like, I just kind of saw everything coming and I don't know, maybe I was in a, I must have, maybe I was in a bad headspace or something, but like, I just didn't enjoy it. And like the first time I went to see it, I was like, oh, okay. And then I've sort of obviously seen it since. And now I'm like, oh shit, this, this film is, this film slaps. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah, Skyfall, and it is a lot of people talk about it as being their favorite or their favorite of the crate, and it's like up there, like Casino Royale and Skyfall are the two they talk about. It's like which one's better? Um, I yeah. still think Casino Royale, but by a fraction. Like there are things that I think Skyfall nails because I think the thing with Skyfall is that it's like Bond in his like fully realized form, particularly right at the very beginning of the movie. Like the opening sequence to Skyfall is fucking unreal. I love that opening um, action sequence. Where it's just it just it es the way it just keeps escalating. It starts as like a, a you know, bond going down the corridor, then it goes into a car chase, then it's a bike chase, then it goes onto a train, then he gets on a digger on the train, and he uses the digger to rip into the other part of the train. Then they're fighting on top of the train, and it's just it just escalates and it's constant. I love it. I think it's brilliant. 
See, I think one of the things that I had with this film was that in hindsight is the stuff that I like about it now is the stuff that I didn't like about it then. Okay. And I think going in with a sour taste in my mouth from Quantum mm. and then going in to see it and I was like, oh, fuck, it's just the same sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, and it yeah, sort of got know. to me a bit, but then, and then uh, when I was watching at the time, it didn't, uh, and this is going to sound a bit weird, it didn't feel very Bond to me at the time. It felt a bit separate. It didn't feel like, uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of struggled with it quite a bit. And I, but going back and watching it now, I'm like, well, fuck. This is a great film. Yeah, you must you were in a weird headspace then. This is like I think what, what I loved about it is like it's because it was it was around it was the 50th anniversary of Bond. Um so there was loads of Bond yeah. stuff going on. I remember it was 2012 and it was during the Olympics, and they'd done like the part of the opening sequence directed by Danny Boyle had Daniel Craig going to the uh, Buckingham Palace meet the queen up, to meet, meet pick, pick up the queen and escort her to the stadium and all this stuff. That's really fucking cool. And then so I think there was like this this excitement and this except it was like a, it was a celebration of bond's history um and then they really built that into the movie by bringing back like some of those old elements things like q and money penny and all those extra little things that were missing from it um but at the same time they weren't beholden to it they weren't like just making references and saying look at yeah they, they like q, yeah they brought back q but they didn't make him an old man in fact the very opposite do you know what I mean? They they were they were, st- they were paying homage without being yeah beholden to it, and they I think it was brilliant. I think it was such a well done thing. Um, yeah. yeah, like I it it felt like bringing back everything that was Bond, but without yeah. doing Die Another Day. Yeah, exactly. Die Another Day was the twentieth uh, movie. For, no, fortieth anniversary was Die mm. Another Day, and so compare that to Skyfall. It's just night and day. It's crazy. Yeah. But not only that, like they they had a way of they they got the story was more personal. It was around M, and it was very much M's movie. Yeah. Um, and it was very much capping off Judy Dench's tenure, and even though she'd been through two sets of Bonds, but the personal stakes of the movie were around her, not around Bond. Bond was just a guy on a mission, and that's very much you know he's just doing the job, and that's what it's all about for him, which is what we needed. I think having had the last two movies, particularly Quantum, being all about his personal vendetta um, yeah this was very much he's a man on a job and it'll come back because the job needs to be done and then it turned you know obviously he's got um, some loyalty towards m and all the rest of it but at the same time when he does has the psychological analysis and someone says m he says bitch yeah <laughs> so but then the she other... smokes but then they both yeah. i love their relationship i love and that's something we didn't really talk about from casino Royale. but like the the setup of those two and the way they spark off each other is fucking brilliant i'm so glad they didn't they kept julie dench it's the one so thing. Yeah. It's the one thing that stayed over from the previous movies, and it doesn't make any sense. And then DB five. Well, yeah, the DB five, obviously. And again, we didn't talk about that in Casino Royale, but the fact that he wins it in a card game, and that then becomes his <laughs> car, perfect. Mm, chef's kiss, love it. Um, yeah. And then again, obviously, we see it again in uh, Skyfall, and now it has all the gadgets in it. Yeah. There's loads of theories about that. Because one one theory about the whole Bond's like chronology 
is that you could watch Casino Royale and then Quantum of Solace, and then you could watch everything from Do- Dr. No all the way through to Die Another Day, and then Skyfall. Right. Uh, the, the idea is that all that, like, because that's the, yeah, one issue that I do have with Skyfall is that they make a big deal about how old Bond is and how he's been yeah. doing You've been doing this for ages and you've been playing the game long enough. And it's like, wait a minute, the last movie, he was like a rookie, like a, like, rough around the edges, just got his license. And now yeah, like, it's been four years in real time, but you're acting like it's been 50 years in like in movie time. Like you're acting like he's gone past his entire like career and all his prime is behind, behind him. And now he's an old man. It's like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? Yeah. That's, that's, that's something that I wanted to bring up because yeah. it's uh, from a cr- chronology perspective. I don't like, it doesn't make any sense. No, no, I just, I wish they hadn't. Yeah. Like, I understand their idea about obviously that's part of what the movie's about is about whether Bond or double O agents are still relevant or not in the in the age of you know digital terrorism and all that kind of stuff. And I understand that's what they, the point they're trying to make and it's thematic. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like you can't. And I feel like they it, in hindsight they wouldn't have done it as well because Daniel Craig's then gone on to play the part for nine more years. <laughs> so I feel like calling telling her what an old man and how fucked he is. Not and then having him play the part for the, almost another decade is probably not the best idea, is it? Like, no, and not only that, exactly. what was frustrating as well is that he clearly, in the you see him doing the stunts and stuff and doing all the, run, the running, and and you see him with his shirt off, and it's like he's still in better shape than any other Bond has ever been. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know I mean, like the scene where he's having the shave and Money Penny comes in and he's got his shirt off, he's got like abs for days, and yeah, he's a bit older now, he's, he's in his mid 40s. But oh, he's still, a bit craggy. Yeah, in his face, but like his body is still in, like he's in ridiculous. He's in better shape than either of them yeah. been, and probably ever will be. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like, and he's still yeah. in better shape than Brosnan ever was, or fucking Connor, or like any of them. So stop going on about fucking old he is. Tom Cruise is fifty nine. <laughs> anyway, piss me off. Anyway. <laughs> It does. And it also just like the whole thing where like, you know, Q turns up and he's like, oh God, you still have spots. It's like, hang on, in the last movie, you were like hacking into M's computer and you were all tech savvy and like cool. So why is it now you're like a boomer who's offended by a young person? Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck happened? Like, has there literally been 30 years in between these movies and I've missed it? What's going on? (laughs) And that's that's the thing because they're like, oh, we don't really go in for that exploding pen anymore. And then, they, and then in the next movie, they give him an exploding watch. It's a bit silly, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the alarm. <laughs> the alarm's very loud, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, mm, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Either, either yeah. it's Q's back or he isn't. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Although, yeah. Although I do like the idea, like, in this, Q just gives him a handgun that he, he is the only one who can fire, um, which isn't even an original thing. Timothy Dalton had a gun like that. Um, Did he? Yeah, to a point where yeah, the the bag, the assassin grabbed it off him and tried to kill him, and he couldn't because it was coded to Timothy Dalton's palm print. Like they did that exact thing in License to Kill, but no one remembers License to Kill. So, um, yeah, apart from me because I'm a fucking nerd. Um, Listen, we're all nerds. We're all nerds yeah. in our own way. But I like the idea that it's like in the world of smartphones and and surveillance and tech and all the rest of it. Literally, all an agent really needs is a gun and a radio. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, fair enough. Like, and I, it's like, not even a two-way radio. No, it's just a distress signal. That's it. And But that's all Bond needs as well. That's what I love. Is that, yeah. they, that what's frustrating is that they, 
they try and imply that he's old and over the hill in one scene, and then in the next scene, he's at the top of his game and kicking all the arse. Yeah. Like, when he when he does find Silver, and he just takes out the, all three of those guys in, like, quick order, and then, like, takes him in on, on his own, and it's, like, it's nothing to him. And it's like, well, you can't be both. You can't, you know, and it's like, you know, the end of the movie is them setting up he walks into M's office and he walks past Money Penny and it's oh well, here we go we're back to the beginning again. I'm like right well he can't be back to the beginning again if you've been going on about how, how old he is for the last two hours. Yeah, exactly. Like make your fucking mind up. Like <laughs> like what do you want it to be? Like <laughs> what do you want from me? Yeah, what do, what do you do? You want this to be like a reboot? Because if you do, you probably should stop going on about how old he is. Like, <laughs> um, are you are you going to go back to it? Are you going to yeah. are you going to you going to reboot making me younger? One and is that going to be a prequel? It's fucking stupid. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's loads that I love about Skyfall. Um, Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem, fucking exquisite as a unreal. And they and what I love is that they like it's the way it's shot and like between Sam Mendes' direction and the cinematography from Roger Deakins, they come up with these amazing shots. Like when we first get introduced to Javier Bardem and it's this long walk to the camera. As he's yeah. giving this big villain monologue, and it's fucking brilliant. I love it. It's so well that done. Was amazing. Yeah, and the, yeah, the two we're the final two rats, and we're the ones who've gone to eat each other. And again, they come back to this idea that they kind of did in Goldeneye, but I feel like this is on a par. It's different. It's not quite the same, but it's like the idea of a, of a dark reflection of Bond. Yeah, what Bond could have been, and the idea that like this was an agent who went rogue, like Bond has done in pretty much every movie that we've seen him in. Um, but the the difference is M sold him out and this is what happened and again it's that whole even going back to like Die Another Day when like they left him for dead Yeah, if Bond had taken his cyanide pill this could have happened to him sort of thing Um, yeah because there's a part of me that like I keep sort of saying to you like there's a part of the headcanon that I have for James Bond movies is that um James Bond and 007 are code names. So 007 is like the name that he's granted as a, you know, he's 007. So that's his agent name. But then James Bond is his like cover name. Yeah. And that uh, there's like a part of me that's like, oh, they could have done that with like a Brosnan sort of thing, like in a different, in a f- different franchise, if it didn't have the same. Oh yeah, can you imagine if it Brosnan, Brosnan coming back? As his, yeah, yeah Brosnan gone. coming back and like yeah. having the facial disfigurement and being like, yeah, oh, you wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't have been as good acting wise. You couldn't have held up with Javier Bardem though. No, um, but I do know what you mean. And similarly, yeah, funny you say that because the other one that they they actually talked about and almost did was the Kincaid part. So Kincaid, when so basically yeah, the, the Skyfall goes on and they're. Um, one thing I want to talk before we get towards the end, the back half of it, I just want to talk about that whole the sequence where he's chasing Silver through London. Um, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. I love that there's so much of this movie is set in Britain. Um, and they have this whole sequence where he's chasing him through the tube and it's like really like real and sort of that. And it's not like a fantastic, we've gone to Macau and we've done all that like exotic location stuff, but now we're back in the UK and it's all recognizable and it's cool. And I just love it's, and I've said this to you before. But the moment when Judy Dench is in the docks and she's having this amazing speech and she gives this amazing speech about the, the state of the world and how it's like, well, we can't point to our enemies on the map anymore. 
they're individuals. You know, you, we can't trust. Do you trust a, a uniform? And then, as she's saying that, there's Silver's coming out her dress as a UK cop. Yeah, it's like this is so, this is one of the best montages ever. This is amazing. And then they cap it all off by Bond is running out of the tube station. Silver's just blown up a tube train, which is like really evocative imagery. Fucking, do you know what I mean? After the seventy-seven yeah. attacks and all the rest of it. Yeah, he's done that. Bond's running out of the tube station into Whitehall. All this like classic buildings and like iconography around it. The British like um, emergency services are racing into action in the background, yeah. and Judy Dench starts reading Tennyson <laughs> as Daniel Craig is pelting it down Whitehall to save her. And I, I've never felt more patriotic in my life. I literally like, <laughs> honestly, I've, I've never been like. It was the, the the greatest moment of being British I've ever had. And like, fuck the Olymp- <laughs> fuck the Olympics, fuck winning the World Cup. I don't care that that scene in Skyfall. Play that on a loop. Oh dear. I love it. I love it. Um anyway, so uh yeah, King Skyfall. Skyfall. So yeah, they go they go to Skyfall um and they go up to uh Scotland, which is and we find out that Skyfall is Bond's like ancestral home. Because earlier on in the movie we have this really brilliant scene with the uh word the word association. And the guy says yeah. Skyfall and Bond just walks out of the room and we still don't know what Skyfall means right up to that point when we finally see the sign outside the house that yeah. says Skyfall. And that was in the, the trailer as well. No, it wasn't. It was. Was it? Yeah. I don't think, oh, I can't remember a bit because I remember yeah, still thinking. It's, it's, it, it's in the trailer and it's so what it does, it's a sort of, because mm. it's the bit when he's like agent provocateur and he's like, uh, oh, no, no, that, so like so, a couple of them are in there. No, I see what and you mean. He yeah. says um, Skyfall, and he walks out of the room. Skyfall, yeah. And then he doesn't say anything. Yeah. So and yeah, I think, that's you being sort of teased in there, and you're like, oh, well, what does this mean? It? Yeah, I love the fact. Well, what? Sorry, what I thought you meant was that they showed Skyfall like the sign of the house in the. Trailer, oh no! Actually, but they didn't. They kept that secret. So all the way through, we were wondering what Skyfall means. Obviously, it's said a couple of times. And then it's obviously it's the title of the movie and it's the song, which I know you're not a fan of the song, are you? No, I think it's rubbish. Okay. Okay. I'm just yeah, I'm just going out. I'm just going to say it's rubbish. They yeah. say like the, the the thing about a good song is it should be poetic and it should sell and it should talk about what it's singing about yeah. in a particular yeah. way, which isn't overly over and it doesn't sort of force it down your throat. And you know, you use rhyming to sort of build the structure. You got to be thinking about rhyming, haven't you? <laughs> well, it's the way that songs songs are you know properly structured is, is an appropriate level of rhyming within it and finding rhythm, rhyme, and, and and a beat. Now, this just says Skyfall over and over and over and over and over and over again, and okay. you just. It's it just after a while, it just becomes the only word that I can hear. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just not a fan of it. I know it's a, I know it's a bit of a hot take for some people because yeah. people are like it's Adele, it's amazing, and Adele is sort of one of the greatest singers of our generation, I'd say. But yeah. I think this song is a bit guff. Okay, and I just I don't think it's the worst song ever. No, but I don't think it's. Now the worst song ever has got to be the uh, one from Corner of Solace. That, uh, like, that hurts my ears. Jack White. Uh-huh. That Jack White and Alicia Keys. Fucking what? 
yeah there's there there there's a right there i i stick by it there is a good song in there yeah but what they did was that they took a good song and then they got two people whose voices aren't suited together to sing together and it didn't yeah. work yeah um no i agree it was yeah and it's weirdly produced and just like different parts of it all over the place and yeah it was weird um, anyway, I think the best song of the Daniel Craig era for me is probably uh, "You Know My Name," the Chris Cornell. Yeah, you know my name, Christina. That yeah. is a banger, and it's still on my um, gym playlist. Gets me every time. <laughs> um, fucking R.I.P. Chris Cornell. That was a great Bond song. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. We yeah, we keep getting off the point. Skyfall. They get to Skyfall, and then we find there's a guy there, the old uh, gameskeeper, the old Scottish bloke, played by Albert Finney. And he's Kincaid, the guy who used to be the, the groundskeeper for the Skyfall estate. And he remembers Bond from when he was a kid. And there was a discussion between Sam Mendes and the producers and stuff where they talked about the idea of that part being played by Sean Connery. Okay. And part of me really wants to see it. And part of me is really glad they didn't. Um, yeah. I think it would have been kind of amazing to see the two of them on screen together and just to have that sort of because he kind of he takes the piss out of Bond and, and it's, just, it's that moment where they're out like um, using the guns or whatever and getting some target practice in um, and Kincaid just says try to stop me you jumped up little shit and I would have had <laughs> so much money just to watch Sean Connery call <laughs> Daniel Craig a jumped up little shit yeah it would have made my life but I feel like it's too fan service like they said it, it would take you out of the movie and it's too fan servicey and I'm like yeah you're right yeah you're right much as it would have been amazing I, I completely get why they didn't do it yeah it's fair yeah um but that's not yeah so that would have been fucking brilliant though yeah i didn't um, know that no yeah so that's yeah they talked about that um and yeah i mean and then we also so we get the big showdown at skyfall and we get even more um revelations about the fact that like the db5 is the the gold finger db5 with the machine guns like yeah at one point on the drive up there he threatens to eject m <laughs> oh go on then eject me see if i care <laughs> as the bond teams like playing in full tilt with all the horns and everything it's brilliant um and then yeah we get the big showdown at skyfall um and it's yeah it's it's quite a it's spectacular and it's like emotionally resonant but it's quite small in its scale in comparison to other yeah. bond finales um but it kind of doesn't matter because when you've got roger deacon shooting it it will look like just the, the shot of Bond running over the ice with Skyfall burning in the background. Huh. I want that on a canvas or something. Like, that is just an absolutely beautiful shot. Um, For me, it's the, it's the shot that almost just after that, when he goes under the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's just this vast abyss of nothingness that's only lit from above through the hole in the ice. And you're yeah. like, this is why Deakins is as just god tier as he yeah. is yeah he, yeah it's unreal i wish that i wish he would have, would have come back for um spectre because it would have made it so much better the the difference yeah. is palpable um but yeah and yeah, you get this great showdown you get them i love the moment where um silver he's got the helicopter and he turns it he turns the gun on the db5 and blows it up yeah and you just cut over to bond and he just he like the music swells and you see this absolute fuck you face he's pissed off like up to that point he couldn't <laughs> give a fuck he doesn't really give a shit about the house he's not that bothered but yeah he, he, he's he yeah. blow the car up and he's pit that is his fucking car 
Like, no, like, <laughs> no, like, and that's when he decides to just absolutely wreck shop and just blows the house up, takes the helicopter with it. Um, and there's all this sort of ingenuity of Bond and figuring stuff out. You get the, like the little moment where he's home alone, yeah, home alone. Um, but I love the because that's the whole sort of theme of this movie is the old versus the new. So Silver yeah. is like the he can hack, like the way he was able to blow up MI6 because that he hacked into the um, environmental system and turned on the gas because you can do everything yeah. through a computer. And these guys are just with a mirror and some like shotgun shells hidden under the floorboards <laughs> and shit like that. And like, I love it. I love the fact that they're able, and, like these two Bond and two OAPs and they fucking take them all out. <laughs> um, oh, Bond's old as well. He's, he's old and he's... No, he's not. He's, he's, Fuck's sake, Skyfall he's Bond. Old, be... He's old, he's basically dead. Shut up. Skyfall Bond should be Bond at his absolute prime. He's had a yeah. few more, like he's had a few more, like he's got all the raw intensity of the of the early movies, plus all the experience that he's had in the meantime. He should be fucking and he is at the beginning of the movie in at the in the opening chase sequence. Yeah. Like he runs out of bullets. Oh, what am I gonna do? Oh look, there's a digger next to me. I know what I'll do. I'll rip fucking rip the fucking train in half and jump down and kick his ass. But hang on, let me just adjust my um, cufflinks while I'm doing it because I'm a suave motherfucker. Fuck, I love <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan, can you tell? A little bit. Um, yeah, and then we get the, the big sort of final scene in... Heard of rumour. Obviously, then we get the big final scene in Skyfall, um, but not before we do get that confirmation that kind of puts, completely puts the last nail in the coffin of that theory of yours about the code name, um, where we see Bond's parents' graves. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew Bond, and I can't remember the name of the wife now because she was Scandinavian, I think. I can't remember. Um, but like that, again, is a nice sort of... It's all coming full circle because the reason that Bond has a Scottish father is because Fleming wrote that after Sean Connery was cast. Oh, okay. So it wasn't until he never really got into Bond's heritage. But then when I think he was in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, when it's all that's part of the story is that Bond's like ancestry is part of the story. Right. Um, and he goes, Oh yeah, his father is Scottish from his father's side and Scandinavian from his mother's. And he did that purposely because of the fact that Sean Connery was playing the part. Oh, uh, okay. So it's this final like snake eating its own tail thing where the, the yeah. You know, the books inform the films, which inform the books. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we get the big, obviously, the the death scene uh, for M. <sighs> yeah. Which is really. I mean, Rafe's good, but yeah, Rafe is. Judy good, is, but she's not as good, and they just don't have the same spark between them. Uh, much no. as they are, they are good, but he just uh, Ray finds is just very dry, and he just doesn't have the sort of glint, little glint in his eyes that Judy Dench always has. Um, yeah. So yeah, they are missing something now that she's gone. Um, but it did give that film that sort of emotional resonance, and I get why they chose to do it. Um, what I do remember though is when I saw it in the cinema for the first time, there was like a little boy who must have been like four or five, who yeah. was just in the cinema, bored, didn't know what was going on, stood up for most of it, asked a stupid. And I just remember this really quiet moment as Judy Dench is doing her death scene and it's all, and then he goes, goes, is that James Bond's mum? And I could have killed the kid. <laughs> don't bring your fucking kids to a Bond movie. He's too young. He doesn't get it. He's going to get bored. Don't do it. Oh my God. I don't give a shit if it's 12A. You don't do it. Not fucking anymore. Hell. They're not kids films anymore. They used to be. They're not anymore. 
<laughs> piss me off, man. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, geez. Anyway. Ma- maybe you could have been one of those horrible people that shouts at people in the cinema. Only when they talk all the way through it. Or uh, if if they're talking all the way through the trailers and just won't shut up. Oh, no, you do that. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never done anything like that in my life. You do that. (laughs) Anyway, I feel feel like we've banged on it. Before we move on from Skyfall, is there anything else you wanted to say about Skyfall? Uh, No. Music's brilliant. Um, just the score. Um, it, yeah, as we've talked about, Deacon shooting it is amazing. Like the the new members of the cast are brilliant. Ben Whishaw as Hugh. Yeah, um, I love what they did with Money Penny. <laughs> the idea that yeah. she was a field agent who kicked a shit, you know, kicked a load of ass, and then just decided that she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but she fucked up, didn't she? <laughs> she did, no, but she did fuck up. But then she said, "I'm I'm going to go back into the field." And Bond's like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" She goes, yeah, why not? Because, well, it's not for everybody. You don't have to do it. And then so she makes the decision like she could have gone. She got the opportunity to go back into the field and choose, chooses not to. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, the way they recontextualize her and like immediately like, giving her that backstory and then seeing her behind the desk is better. Yeah. You know I mean? Rather than just having her always have a bin behind the desk. Um, yeah. And then we get into Spectre. Yeah, Spectre's an interesting one, isn't it? Spectre's weird. So I think the thing with Spectre is it's a weird um, situation where they they just got the rights back to Spectre and Blofeld and they were excited to do something with it. Um, because in an ideal world, basically what you would have had is Quantum, Sol- Quantum of Solace and Spectre would have been like one film and it would have like the organisation Quantum would never have existed and it all would have been we would have found out at the end of Casino Royale that it was Spectre who were behind everything. But they couldn't do that because they didn't have the rights. Yeah. So, so basically, do you want, yeah. Do you want me to get into that? Yeah. Yeah, I do a bit. Because, like, you obviously know a lot more about this than I yeah. do. So this this is, like, very much in your court, like... Okay. So... Hello. I know a little bit here or there, but... Okay, so a little bit of a Bond history lesson then. So um, basically back in, before they, the Eon and uh, the Broccoli family and all that got involved in making the movies, this guy called Kevin uh, McClure, let me make sure I get his name right. Kevin McClory, I want to say. Yeah, uh, Kevin McClory. So Kevin McClory approached... um, Ian Fleming and said, right, well, I want to, I'm a uh, movie producer. I'm going to work with you to come up with a spec script from the original James Bond story. And we're going to work it together. And I know how films work. You know how James Bond works and all that. And we'll, we'll do it together. So they did, they, that's what they did. They worked on the script together. And the script they came up with was Thunderball. And Thunderball, the, the book is the first introduction of the organization Spectre and the character of Blofeld. Right. So, what then happened is um, Kevin McClory felt that Ian Fleming then went on to write, like they went on to make the, the movies completely separate to that. And that was the end of it. But Ian Fleming used all the story beats and wrote a book, Thunderball, which then got turned into a movie. So Kevin McClory, as the movie was being made, he was suing them for all his rights, got sole producer credit on the film Thunderball. 
as part of their way of buying him off. But one of the things okay. he got one of the things he got wrote into the contract was he was allowed to remake it in ten years. So ten years after Thunderball came out, there was another version of Thunderball came out, and it was called Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So Sean Connery came back and did one more film, and it came out at the same time as a Roger Moore movie. It's an unofficial James Bond movie, but the reason it was yeah. able to be made is because of this Kevin McClory guy had the rights only to Thunderball. None of the other stories, just Thunderball. But because of the fact that Blofeld and Spectre were introduced in that, he also had some rights to those characters, those original ideas. Okay. And they have kept in his family, in his estate, all the way through. He died in 2006. Right. But the Eon and MGM didn't get the rights to his part of the Bond stuff, i.e. Blofeld and Spectre, back until 2015. Jeez. At which point we'd already had most of the Craig movies. So that like when they came to do Quantum of Solace, what they really wanted to do is like they hinted at it with Mr. White and like the idea that there's this big evil organization pulling all the strings. And yeah. what they really would have liked to have done is do Blofeld, but they can't because they don't have the they don't have the rights to it. Right. So instead they invented Quantum and tried to do the same thing again. And then here we they are. Tried to do the same but change the name. Yeah. And then here we are, however many years later, and now they've got quantum and now they've got spectre and blowfell and they try to wreck on it unsuccessfully i might add <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the bit that's the backstory okay um, but yeah spectre so my eyes kind of glazed over a bit when they start to sort of explain the they're like, oh, the, the, the quantum is Spectre, and Spectre is quantum, but it's part of it. But it's not quite the same, but, but they're all part of the same. But that's the thing, they don't explain it. They literally just, all that happens is when they do finally come to that point, because there's loads of intrigue back and forth, and it's all quite well made and quite well done for Spectre. But when they finally come to this big point where it's like, oh, everything's connected, all it is is Q does a scan of this ring that Bond gets, and somehow that has all the DNA of all the bad guys he's ever fought. Right. And then... Q like he has a little a handy little graphic where it's like a little octopus and it all goes up into fucking Christopher Fox's face and it's like yeah did you make that did you just knock that graphic up yourself did you in like the last five minutes while Bond was chasing someone having a, having a fight <laughs> like it doesn't make any fucking sense and they don't bother to explain it and it's really annoying but <laughs> um to a point where I got a bit of a headcanon for how I feel it like it should have gone but you know um but I mean. Yeah, that that is the biggest problem with um, Spectre. All the like the opening sequence is awesome. I'm just trying to think. The opening sequence, of Spectre, is Day of the Dead. Yes, the Wanna. Yeah, epic, the epic Wanna, and the way it starts with that drum beat, and then it slowly morphs into the Bond theme as he's walking along the rooftop. It's just, oh, so fucking cool, so cool. Um, and like they do a barrel roll in a helicopter, and all, all that shit. <laughs> like it's it's cool. it's really cool. Um. And yeah, and just like, yeah, it's, I think Daniel Craig is effortlessly Bond Inspector. Yeah. Um, he's so sort of comfortable in the role. Um, there's some great, like the, I think the the car chase sequence in Rome is really cool. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the car has got like, it's loaded with gadgets and stuff and that's all really cool. And they're all like, but they're all like prototype ones and they're all a bit biffed. Yeah, exactly. He's like, two of them work. Yeah, but they, they, they're not over the top. They're, like, they're just, oh, yeah, I've got a flamethrower. I'm not going to turn invisible. But then, yeah. he also, but then he also has an ejector seat. 
it's like it's injecting that little bit of fun back into the franchise which i think is what it needed but it kind of yeah. doesn't quite sit right with the rest of the tone of the movie like it's all very dark and like like the monica bellucci scene where like the, there are men coming to kill her in a house and everything's very it's like the tone of it is all very dark and then they also try and make it a bit light so it doesn't yeah quite also i think it, it worked they got the balance right in skyfall but they don't quite with specter i think it's a little bit off yeah no i agree because there's a lot of there's some of the stuff that's like um like the reintroduction of the the like a bond villain like a henchman yes yeah so dave batista which they haven't really done in any of the craig era no not really no no, not really. No, but well, they had that weird one in Quantum Solace, but I kept, I kept thinking he was going to do something, but he never did. That weird, like, tall, gangly-looking kid who just, like, kept looking weird. Um, and then oh, just, yeah. And then he just gets blown up and it's nothing. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, but no, they haven't really had a henchman type. No, so, but he's very much, yeah, so Dave Bautista is kind of like the new Jaws. Um, and that, again, yeah. they have the, the, that all culminates in this uh, fight on the train, which is, like, straight out from Russia with Love. It's Bond fighting a bloke who's far bigger than him and he has absolutely no right fighting. Um, and he just has to beat him at, through ingenuity and thinking his way around him because he can't physically best him, um, which is classic Bond. And that's been there forever. Yeah. Um, all the while whilst wearing a white tuxedo. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I don't know what more you want. Like, um, but like I said, I think we were talking about the other night. We were really enjoying it, and we watched it all the way. Yeah, and it was it's just up until that third act because they yeah, it feels it, it just feels like it's it ends and then it ends well, again. Well, it's just I think what it is is that they they do a lot of build up for Christopher Fox's character, a lot of build up. Like they get like they keep like referring to him as him. Tell me where he is. He wants me to find him. He wants me yeah. to kill him, like this, like capital H, like he's God. And then when yeah. you finally find him, he just—he's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, like he just talks in very like, vague terms about how, oh, it was me all along. And but he doesn't explain how. He just—it's all just a bit. And then they have this stupid, really fucking stupid idea about him being Bond's brother. Oh God, which was really fun. It made. First of all, it's the same plot point, and I pointed this out to you the other day as Austin Powers in Gold Member. See, I hadn't seen Goldmember, Whatever. so no. Oh, mate, no, yeah, that's the that's the with um, Michael Caine playing the father, Austin Powers Fahaja. Yeah, um, and then yeah, he turns around and's like, "You're being a very naughty boy, Mister uh, uh, Doctor Evil." And goes, "Why well, you talking to me? Hey, you're not my dad. Actually, I am." He's like, "No, you're my father. I'm both your fathers." And it turns out they're they're actually their brothers and have been the whole time. Oh, and that, that's the yeah that's the final and like i can't believe they're using that they're actually having that plot point in a real bond film like <laughs> yeah. the idea that bond <laughs> and blofeld are like this is evil brother fuck off no <laughs> oh. um i think the worst thing about it is that it makes no difference like blofeld tells this story and about how bond came into his house and was adopted yeah and it's and it pissed him off and sent him down his path Bond does not react to it in the slightest. He does not give a fuck. No. It makes no difference to him. So I don't understand what the point is. Like, no, exactly. Like there's there's no emotional connection there from no. James whatsoever. No. So what's the point? I don't understand. Like just, like they feel like they have everything has to have this like deep emotional element to it. And I feel like they forced it in this one. It didn't work. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's where it all. But none of that is until the final act. It's like I think everything up until the fight on the train with Batista is really good, and it yeah. moves on and like they go from you know it's globe trotting and it's like investigation and like yeah and it's like it's a Bond movie. It's cool. And then it sort of falls apart towards the back end. And the thing is, like some of the stuff in the back end works. Hmm. Or some of it does, but it yeah. just doesn't work as part of it being the same film. No, and I just feel like, like I say, a couple of little rewrites, and they could have like made it. But like, I feel like because the other thing they do with Spectre is that they do try and make it kind of a part two to Skyfall in some ways, in terms of yeah, this idea that MI six got blown up, and now they're going to have to recreate the, the intelligence services, and they're going to make it all like about surveillance and tech. And there's no need for um, men in the field anymore, which is carrying over from Skyfall. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's interesting. And then you add in that idea that Spectre are the ones who are footing the bill and they're going to get all the information. And it's like, okay, that could have been quite something really interesting. You talk about the control of information, how, and we talked about this in Tomorrow Never Dies, the idea of like manipulating fucking social media to get wherever you want. Imagine if a company like that, like, like a Google, then got given yeah. access to the combined intelligence streams of nine countries. Yeah, exactly. And all their surveillance and all their agents and everything they ever know. It's like, that is a scary fucking thought, but they don't really explain it. But not explain no, it. No, because it's like, so buried under everything else. Like, yeah. like I keep saying, like this, like Spectre, a lot of what happened in Spectre should have been what was in uh, Quantum. Yeah. That's Skyfall should have remained as what it was. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think they should have... The rest yeah. of... Then the, the last half last half of the third act should have been the last yeah. act of... I, I think, yeah. I think they could have... If they could, were able to somehow combine Quantum with Spectre and like have it be that, like, off, off the back of um, Casino Royale, Bond's heartbroken over the loss of Vesper, and then he goes after this organisation who Mr. White works for and finds out it's Spectre and Blofeld. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily beat them there and then. Like, Blofeld gets... Because the idea of Blofeld is, like, there's a trilogy of books about Blofeld. And, at, right. the, you know, at the end of On Our Majesty's Secret Service, Blofeld kills Bond's wife. Yeah. And then Blo- Bond goes after him for revenge in You Only Live Twice, and that's how the, the trilogy concludes. But they could have set that, like, a different interpretation of that going into this. And, like, they could have set that up after Casino Royale, but they didn't have the rights, so they ended up truncating it. But... I still feel like with a couple of extra little bits of exposition, they could have made this work. I think basically what you could have said is when Mr. When he confronts Mr. White, yeah, um, he says, so what did you do then? And he goes, I uh, made the mistake of trying to play him at his own game. And he goes, yeah, quantum. Yeah. So quantum, what you met, you set up that quantum was Mr. White trying to like split off and make his own organization. And then Blofeld found out about it because of what Bond did in Bolivia, because he blew everything up and, and exposed them. And then Blofeld came in and shut them down and fucked them up. Right. And then, you know, uh, Mr. White's been on the run ever since. But eventually he caught up with me and I found Fabian in my um, phone. Cell phone. Cell phone. That's it. Yeah. And then, no, then you've explained all of Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace and Mr. White's involvement in it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that was Quantum. But then quantum was me trying to break out of my own because i didn't like what he was doing anymore he found out about it because of you and now look at me that's it done and then with yeah. blofeld i feel like he has this whole thing about information being power 
and Bond, I reckon you, information is power, James. Bond makes a quip saying, I prefer my Walther. And then Blo, Blofeld, yeah. Blofeld says, oh yeah, well, um, giving the right information to the right person at the right time is far more powerful than any weapon that you can have. Like say, for example, I was to give a list of NATO agents to a former MI6 agent with a grudge against M. Yeah. What would happen? And you just cut to Bond's face and go, yeah. So literally all I had to do was get that, that list into the hands of Mr. Silver and just let him loose. And that's what I did. And go, oh, fuck, yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. It doesn't take away from Silver or anything that he did. It just means that that little bit at the beginning of um, Skyfall where someone's after the list and they just give it to Silver, yeah. that, that, was, that was Spectre. And they just, they're just middlemen. That's all they do. They just push the pieces around and then let other people do their dirty work for them. Yeah, it's like manipulation from behind the curtain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and so then you, the result of that is, right, so we took down the entire intelligence service, and now, I, and just when that happened, I had Andrew Scott's character already in place to start talking up this idea of a combined intelligence service, because everyone's yeah. like, because I blew up your original lot, and now we're going to yeah. get the, and now not only that, he's going to get all that, and he's going to give all that information to us. Imagine what we can do with all that information. Yeah. Done. That's it. I reckon it's like five lines. You could have done that. Yeah. Also, if, if it's... Just one know, extra scene rather than... It, the, not even that. that just, just really drawn out torture. Yeah. Forget like getting, forget all that cuckoo bullshit. Just say that. <laughs> and just yeah. like have... And like, if it's going to be a case of, oh, people won't listen to all that because it's, it's people talking too much. I'm like, you know, Christoph Waltz talking for like 10 minutes straight is like what most of Tarantino's last few movies have been about. Christoph... Well, talking for 10 minutes straight is one is is firstly is the name of my sex tape <laughs> but secondly is just a joy yeah of course it is that's what you hire him for just <laughs> yeah it's crazy i just don't understand yeah i want him to be quirky i want him to be intimidating as fuck yeah I whilst want... being a very passive man a small passive man sat in the same room as me, but talking to me in a way that makes me more frightened than anything else of my entire life. Yeah, I just I like the idea of him like getting under Bond's skin with like like calling all that Skyfall stuff back and saying like you want like because that's the thing that no one really talked about with Skyfall was that it's a fucking abject failure. Like really, they, yeah, yeah, they blew. I don't think they, no Bond for Bond as a character. Oh, okay, because they blew up the fucking MI6. Yeah, forced them underground, and then he set out to kill M, which he did. Bond lost yeah. in Skyfall, and I feel like that's like you could have had um, Blofeld throw that back in his face, and like M's dead, and now your intelligence service is completely gutted, and they're handing it over to me basically because you failed. Like shit. Yeah, yeah you're right. Fuck. Like it just it completely would have recontextualized Skyfall, um, and like yeah, I don't know. I think that that's that's my two cents. That's what I feel they should have done. No, I agree. I definitely think it's. In fact, until until one told, unless no time to die contradicts anything that I've just said, that's my head cannon. That is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking with it. Yeah. Um, Christ, I keep forgetting that no time to die is going to be a thing. Yeah, man. Like three days or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say really. Um, yeah, then you get this weird scene where they go back to London and he's like set up all these weird little booby traps with Bond's face on them and shit like that. And it's like, at what point are you trying to yeah. make? I don't understand what the point is. Like, like again, and the torture scene, like, are we going to drill into your head 
and you're going to forget how people's faces look. And uh, not really. Yeah. Oh, and the then, then we do it and you don't forget. Yeah. And I think that there are rumors around that there was a lot of reshoots and stuff that happened in that, that back end. Really? Well, as a result of there was the Sony leaks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Happened. And then around that time, there were a lot of like executives throwing emails around saying, like the film, that third act doesn't work though. You've got to do something about that third act. Everyone was saying third act is where it all falls apart. So I think there may have been some reshoots and it can, you kind of tell because like the whole scene in the desert just wraps up very, very quickly. Yeah. And some, so suddenly they're off to London again and it all just starts all over again. It's like you, like you said, it, the film kind of ends twice. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, it seems odd. You can tell something went wrong. Something was different. And I would have, I'm fascinated to see what it actually would have been like. Yeah, it is um, tough, isn't it? Yeah. But I think the main thing that came out of Spectre is that they, if they nailed, if they'd stuck the landing better, I don't think we would be getting no time to die. Really? Well, given the way that it ended, like it's Bond throws the gun away and then he drives off into the sunset with the yeah. girl in the DB5. It's over. Do you know what I mean? That is it. It's the end. He, he beats Blofeld, his arch nemesis. Yeah. And he quits, basically, and drives off. In He's the learned the lesson to not kill everybody. Yeah. And it's like a full kind of story. And I feel I felt like they were setting it out for that to be the end. And I feel like if it had been received better, they probably would have let it be the end. Yeah. But because it wasn't, Daniels, Craig, and the rest of them were like, you know what? I'm not going out on a low. Fuck that. I'm going to come back and do one That's more. fair. I think that's what that is. Yeah, it's fair enough. Now, whether they'll do that or not, I don't know. No, I don't, I um still I've deliberately avoided anything to do with anything Bond related. So yeah, uh, anytime anything like it pops up in my feed, I say I'm not interested, so it goes away. Yeah. Um. So I've not seen anything about it yet. So with any luck, we'll just go into this blind. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a result of how long it's been coming now, there've been a lot of trailers, and we've seen the trailers a lot of times just yeah. by virtue of us going to the cinema and stuff. Um, but I think... But we've only seen very few things yeah, from I the trailer. What we realised is, because it was a couple of weeks ago when they revealed how long it's going to be, it's like two two hours and 45 minutes. It's fucking epic. Yeah. And so given that, we've seen nothing. We've seen literally fuck all. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so I feel like, yeah, there's, there's a lot they're going to do with it. I think what excites me most about the idea of No Time to Die is that it's the first Bond movie that is going to be the end of a bond of a of a actor actor's tenure as bond where they go into it knowing that is that's what it's going to be yeah like they from the ground they went this is going to be daniel's last movie let's go for broke and not only that from a story point of view that's what they're writing to they're writing to an ending rather than just letting it sort of fade off so and like they, the thing they keep saying in all the interviews and stuff is like, oh yeah, well we we, we said to Daniel we've got more story to tell. There's more story to tell. I'm like, there isn't more story to tell. You wrapped it all up. What you mean is you want to go out on a high. <laughs> um, so I'm really interested to see what they do, um, on that basis. And like they keep pit, like in the in the trailers and stuff, it's the mission that changes everything. Like, okay. What does that mean? <laughs> like, are you gonna are they gonna hand over to someone else being the new? Double O agent, not necessarily James, but like they can't have a new James Bond because they've they've established that is his name. Yeah. He's, so, the, but are they going to try and spin it off into a new thing? Are, are they going to kill him off? Like anything could. I don't know. I, that's that's what's that's what he's excited about it. I don't know what they're going to do. 
Yeah, I don't. I've no idea where they're going with it. No. Like, but like they've assembled this amazing cast. There's a director involved who's brilliant, Carrie um, Bukunaga. Carrie Bukunaga. Yeah, I can never pronounce his name, but the guy who like yeah, true detective. Like that's the guy who's making this movie. And he's got a, he's got a screen uh, writing credit along with, and they brought in Phoebe Waller Bridge as well to do some punch ups on the script. Like, yeah, I'm hoping that it all sticks together and it's going to be awesome. Um, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. I do keep forgetting every now and again that it is going to be a thing. Yeah. But um, because it's feel it has been so long. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do. I can't fucking wait because I I just want to see how it all ties up. Yeah, me too. Because it has been a series of like, like when you look at it from the top, it's easy to sort of say, you know. Like I was saying earlier, when you look at them individually, there are problematic things within each one, with probably with the exception of Casino Royale. Yeah. But I still had a lot of fun going through them all over the oh, last yeah. like week and a bit. Oh, yeah. No, mate, I love this series, sort of unashamedly. And I know there are problems with it, even with like my initial thing of Skyfall that like, I loved it. But now you start to see some of the things come on. And like, again, things I wish they'd done in Skyfall that would have been better. Like, and I think this might be the Star Wars fan to be coming out, but how cool would it have been if you saw like a, off the, as a result of him getting the list, like an Order 66 style um, montage of all the double O's getting taken out. Oh God, yeah. And then it's just, and then the reason Bond comes out of hiding is because there is literally no one else. He took everybody out as a part of, as his fuck you to M. And then Bond has to yeah. come out of hiding because there is only one double O agent left, 007. And the only reason he's not dead is because they thought he was dead already. Yeah, that would be. Cool. I kind of thought that's where they were going for it at first, but yeah, that's the part of the issue with Skyfall is that it's kind of it sort of splits itself in two halves. It starts off with this whole idea about the list, and then it just turns into a revenge thing about M, and the whole list element of it just gets completely forgotten about. Um, yeah, but again, those are just things that you pick up having watched it over and over again. Um, but yeah, like I say, there are issues with them, but. For the most part, I love him, and I think a lot of that is down to Daniel Craig is just my Bond. Um, I think he, it's between him and Connery is my favourite. Um, yeah, and like I say, part of that, the fact that he has been Bond for me for such a long, such a big part of my life, um, I think it's going to be he will be my um, my Bond for a long time. It's going to take a lot for someone to to pass. Yeah. And yeah, I'm excited to see what, what they do with this. I think like, it's interesting seeing him interviewed again. He seems excited about it. Like he's been very, he's never been good at the interview side of things. Um, yeah, also, I mean, like, there's historically he's put yeah. his foot in his mouth a couple of times. Infamously at the end of Spectre, he said like, he'd rather slit his, uh, slit his wrist with the glass than do another one. Um, yeah. And then here we are. Um, but like, I feel like he just, um, this time around, it really feels like he's really got a lot of passion for it again. Um, and he's really into it, and he said like, he's excited that he's able to end it on his own terms and all this sort of stuff. So I feel like this is going to be. I'm hoping this is going to be something that they could all be proud of. Um, and like I say, the cast they put together is amazing. You got you know Rami Malek and uh, Liana Lynch, and fucking just just uh, yeah, amazing new people joining the team as well as all the returning characters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully it'll be great. I think it's going to be a good one. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put hypothetical money on it. Put it all on red. 
<laughs> it's the circle of life. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Uh, oh, you know, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going with it. I think it's gonna be a good one. I hope. Well, I hope it's gonna be a good. I yeah. think it's gonna be good. I think it's had enough time to breathe. Yeah, I think that's the crucial and thing. It's... When you look back at this series, the ones that didn't work particularly well, Quantum and Spectre, are the ones they rushed. Yeah, because they're off the back of a success. Casino Royale fucking smashed it. So they're like, quick, make another one. Skyfall fucking smashed it, and they went right. Well, we've got to get Sam Mendes back and do it another one. He doesn't really want to do it. Tough. We've got to get him back. Like, yeah. should you not? Should you not get someone who really wants to do it? No, fuck. We're gonna make it. So we, we, we're gonna. Sam Mendes is gonna do it. And they like they shot it and turned it around in something like eleven months. Yeah, which is a crazy short amount of time. And you can, and that's where it's like you probably should have spent a bit more time on it. Because when you spend a bit more time on it, you get Casino Royale and you get Skyfall. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, No Time to Die is going to sit alongside them, and we'll have a you know a, a five film series with three strong entries and one mediocre, one not very good. Yeah. Which is a strong tenure for a Bond. That, that's yeah. That's fucking. That's a three out of five is a pretty good hit ratio. <laughs> that's a pretty good legacy, you know. Yeah, and even and even like yeah, that's saying that Spectre is not a complete write off. And also, this might retroactively make Spectre better because, again, we know from the trailers that they are bringing back Christoph Waltz, even if it is just for one scene. Um, but they are there's more to be told with him as well, which is good because I feel like he was kind of shortchanged. Yeah, I, I unfortunately he was like, but a lot of stuff pulled away from him, didn't he? Yeah, I just yeah, like I say, just let him fucking like if you yeah, get let him monologue. But give him some good stuff to monologue <laughs> with. Like, like that's yeah. what he's for. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I feel like I've talked a hell of a lot on this one, and you have barely got a word. It's, it's your thing. Like, I, <laughs> I, you know, like this is this is you, man. Yeah. Like, and I think people are going to prefer an informed understanding, like you, rather than someone that's got a cursory understanding. Oh, mate, tell me about it. I'll tell you what you should listen to. And this is you I'm talking to, <laughs> not necessarily listeners, listeners. The um the do go on episode about James Bond. Really? Yeah, because Matt does it and he doesn't know a fucking thing about it. And it's the most frustrating thing I've ever listened to. Like it's really annoying. <laughs> like he just like he has no clue about what the fuck he's talking about. And it's, uh, it's so annoying. Brilliant. Yeah. Um but anyway, besides what that, a hero. Anyway, um, we're going to wrap it up because I've been talking about Bond for about two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom's barely said a word. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Mate, it's fine. <laughs> it's not a problem. This is, this is, this is your, your, you know, this is your time to shine. Yeah, this is my one. But then, yeah, when we come back, when we do next, when we do Spider Man and, and the Eternals and things like that, that's where it'll be your comics knowledge will come to the fore and we'll have to yeah, defer we'll get to back you. To, we'll get back into it. At well, some point. well, having said that, before that, even, we've got the Green Knight. Um, so, we do, we, yeah, we're finally going to see that's another one that I can't believe is actually happening. Uh, but we're finally going to go and see the Green Knight, the much anticipated, um, yeah, I don't know what you would call it. It's an Arthurian legend art house movie. Um, but it's, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a fantasy adventure based on the 14th century poem. Yeah, about Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Yeah, which of course you've read. Um, yep. and know everything about. So definitely, I think on that one we'll be, defer- <laughs> we'll, be de- we'll be deferring to you much more so because I have no clue about it really. To be honest, uh, I'm yeah. I mean, there's there's not a great deal of depth to it. So no, it's, it's an it's adaptation of yeah. 14th century poem. I mean, it's an epic poem. So it's, um, you know, poems aren't 
you know, 20 lines on a single page of A5 as they are now. They Back then they were, you know, Dante's Inferno, mm. the Divine Comedy is a poem. Yeah. You know, it just happens yeah. to be 1,200 pages long. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to like I say, we'll, we'll defer to you and you can explain in great detail what the poem is and how it differentiates from the film. And I can just sit back and let you, let you talk for a bit. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy to, no, but no, it's been good, man. Like, especially you've got this knowledge that's been built up over the years. So it's better. And it's, I'm sure our listeners, uh, sorry, I'm sure some of the readers that are going to be, um, you know, may not be as familiar are going to obviously have a lot more insight now. Maybe. so Maybe. thanks um, for being a you, massive nerd that's all right if you if, and if anyone does want to know like a lot of my knowledge comes from things like um and i showed you a bit of this the other day there's a documentary called everything or nothing um which yeah. is like the the history of the james bond series and it's like an hour and a half long it's brilliant really really good interviews with all the bonds gives you all this story about how the films came to be and how they almost weren't and like why sean connery left and all that stuff that i talked about about the, the guy who had the rights to spectre if you want to know more about that kind of stuff and the, the you know how it all played out I'd seek that out. That's a really good uh, documentary. Um, but other than that, No Time to Die, Daniel Craig is awesome. He's almost not, you know, he's on a par as my favourite Bond with Connery. Um, yeah. And we'll we'll see if he can stick the landing with No Time to Die uh, when we go and see it later this week. Um, yeah. But first, Green Knight, and we'll catch you on whichever one of those ones comes out first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, Whichever one uh, we get to record first. True. I, oh, shit, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I have to think of that. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and thanks for letting me rabbit on about my favorite thing. Um, because that <laughs> <laughs> that's why I do this. Um, and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks. Bye. As long as this isn't as long as the um. Fast and Furious three-hour podcast. <laughs> the infamous oh, three-hour. Listen, listen, I've had and people have messaged me about that. Really? Same what? Yeah. They were like, I listened to it, and I'm like, all of it. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, thanks. Why? Like, <laughs> and I was like, first of all, thanks. Second of all, I'm sorry you got to see every single one of my emotions. <laughs> Second of all, what happened? Were you trapped under a rock? What happened? <laughs> could you could you not reach your phone? What happened? Why didn't you send for help? <laughs> yeah. Good time though. Yeah, man. Good time had by all. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully.